The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is here with us, and between Kathy and I... We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. We're really excited to start off this new year uh, with the ability to give you a few things that you can do a little differently, maybe a little bit more, that will help you be a top performer, you know, someone who performs in the top 10%. And we always have great guests who can give you their perspective on leadership, their perspective on being a peak performer, their perspective on doing a few things differently. And today, I'm really excited to talk with Sam Katz. Let me give you a little bit of his background. He's got a very interesting story, um, and we'll ask him some questions here. So Sam is a serial entrepreneur. He's dedicated himself to the excellence in every part of his life so he can better serve others. So he's played many roles in his career, including being labeled a politician. He ran for mayor twice and also is discovered as a thought leader on commercial uh, campaigning. Uh, He is, in fact, a game changer. Sam succeeds as a game changer today, succeeding as an Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker at the highest level. So we'll talk to him about that switch uh, and change that he's done. He has real knowledge and and an authentic, raw understanding of what it takes to motivate, inspire TV audiences to tune in and not only be entertained, but to be infotained. He strongly believes that uh, more people you help to succeed, the more successful you become. So Sam started his own documentary movement with history-making films in his hometown of Philadelphia. does that with his son, Phil, and his daughter, Lauren, and is gaining national recognition. History making films productions uh, is featured on ABC and has quickly made it up the charts to become known as one of the premier documentary film companies in the region and continues to attract attention all over the country as the team ventures into subjects including the coming of the Pope in 2015. So, Sam, welcome. It's really a pleasure to be with you, Ellie, and I appreciate the nice comments at the uh, opening of the show, so... Let's get into it. Oh, good, good. Kathy, welcome. Thanks. Uh, it's great to hear your voices. And, uh, Sam, thanks so much for being with us today. I know that uh, I, uh, my goal for this show is to give people an opportunity to understand how people can become game changers by being game changers themselves. And, you know, having worked with you with a little bit that I have in the past few months, I know you have a lot to offer, so uh, welcome to the show, and really thanks for getting us started here. 
Sure, well, sure. Thank you for inviting me, Kathy. I appreciate it. So, Sam, we we got a couple questions that we want to ask you. We know uh, <clears throat> we want to maximize our time here. So, uh, what differentiated you from the typical political candidate and the rest of the politicians in your circle? Well, I guess that uh, the assessment of that would be a little self-serving and perhaps greatly self-delusional. Um, but I, uh, I was my background was in public finance. I had spent 25 years working with states and local governments around the U.S. Uh, to raise capital for major infrastructure and to deal in some instances with financial stress. And when I ran for the first time, uh, which I did actually three times, in 1991, uh, Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, was undergoing a severe fiscal crisis. So the professional background that I had uh, was, I guess, important to, to argue, making an argument that a first-time uh, candidate should be given serious consideration against some very uh, more skilled and uh, seasoned politicians. Um, and I, I think one of the things that uh, I would argue is important about public life and, and pursuing public office, uh, and which is something we're, we're kind of rejecting in the general um, public life today of being a politician, being a professional at being a politician. I think we have a lot of people who are saying, oh, I'm not a politician, so elect me. But in fact, what we are electing when we elect people to public office are politicians. And politics is the art of both imagining and visioning and compromise. And the absence of the capacity to compromise, which frankly characterizes much of what's happening in the federal government, and often in many state governments, and certainly in our state in Pennsylvania, and uh, in local government is not what government is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be, a pro be about problem solving. So I think that I brought two things to the table. One was a professional skill and experience in public finance, in financing cities and financing government. And secondly, a, an appreciation for and an aspiration to be good at politics. So, Sam, one of the things that we always try to find out about many of our guests is a little bit about them and who have influenced them. And I have to say, the times that you and I have gone to um, a, a public outing of some kind, whether it's a meal or a public place, people flock to come over and say hello to you. I remember we were in that restaurant one day, and the gentleman that owned the restaurant even bought a, a photo album over to show you of you know, the photos he's taken of you over the years when you were running, you have a lot of fans, but I want to know who has and who maybe continues to be influential in your life as you know, somebody you're a fan of who's helped you in your career. Well, I mean, I think a career, like everything else, is something that you look back on. Uh, while a lot of people think about planning it and trying to execute it, it's really really the compilation of what, what have what you have accomplished as an individual and throughout all aspects of my career, different people have um, helped me accomplish a lot of things because I've shifted my career so frequently. Um, in public finance, um, I had so many mentors, but I had a colleague uh, on Wall Street uh, whose name was Lee Barba, who's a very successful guy, um, who was a consummate investment banker 
and who was the most creative guy. And I aspired to, in my role as a financial advisor, be creative. Uh, in my political life, uh, you know, there's so many people who I looked up to, but frankly, the person who most inspired me was someone I never, never really got to know, was the former mayor of Philadelphia, Richardson Dilworth, who I met as a kid. And frankly, on meeting him as a kid uh, and seeing him, his role as a mayor is what impressed me about something that I knew nothing about but decided as a young person I wanted to do. Unfortunately, never got the chance to do it. Uh, in film, I so many people, I watch films now with such a different eye towards the creativity of uh, filmmakers, but initially, you know, Ken Burns, who's a documentary filmmaker and probably the premier person, uh, you know, was the person who got me interested in this, not personally, but just watching him. And I've uh, ad developed a style of documentary which is decidedly anti-Burns. Burns is pensive, uh, slow, lots of lots of words, and our our approach is to recognize that most audiences, even educated audiences, have attention deficit challenges, and you've got to stimulate them through drama and visuals and fast-moving storytelling, uh, and that's a style very different than, say, the traditional PBS style. And last but not least, my family. My parents were great. They were uh, supportive of things that I wanted to do. My wife has put up with all of these pivots in my professional life. Uh, I have four wonderful children, and uh, you know those are the foundations, I think, that make for whatever success we have in life. <clears throat> That's great, Sam, um, especially now you have your family involved uh, with what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about how you got into filmmaking and, and what do you think this generation of filmmakers really needs to care about? Well, I think the truth is that uh, while I know this program is about success, uh, my experience in life is that most of the things that I've learned, I've learned through failure. Hmm. And uh, when, I, when I've been successful, um, I've always thought, well, maybe I'm a smart guy and I know what I'm doing. When I have not been successful, I've had to really do some serious introspection and think about, well, what did I just do and why did it turn out differently than the way I had envisioned it. Uh, I had envisioned a very different outcome in the late 1990s and early part of this, this last decade uh, in my aspirations to be mayor of Philadelphia, and it didn't work out. And frankly, it worked out in the second case, rather, the third case, rather badly, uh, because while I was in a close election, uh, short, quick story, uh, a federal investigation into uh, criminal activity led to the planting of an electronic device in my opponent's office, who was then the incumbent mayor. And what was a close election turned on its heels against me because uh, my opponents were successful in painting uh, this device as the nefarious tool of the President Bush administration to embarrass the mayor. And I went from being in a close election to being blown out. The, the effect wow. was very much unsettling emotionally and um, professionally. And I, for a while, retreated from um, the fast lane, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the slow lane, um, I was looking for something more intellectual to challenge me and um, thought about writing a book and I thought about teaching and I also started watching 
documentaries. And when I stumbled on a series of urban documentaries, the history of New York and Chicago, Las Vegas, and New Orleans, and others, I went looking for Philadelphia. And there wasn't one. And so I thought, ha-ha, I can do this. Now, this is, by the way, a person who doesn't remember ever taking any history in college and whose best films were of his children, which, of course, no one ever wanted to watch. So uh, I had neither filmmaking nor historical experience, and so I spent quite a number of years wrapping my brains around all that stuff. And slowly but surely, with the help of my son and later with the help of my daughter, um, we've developed, I think, a very quali- high-quality product that is both entertaining and uh, educational. I want to just share a, a moment with the audience, Sam. When, when I was invited to sit in on one of the, um, I guess they're called previews, of the 30-minute programs in one of the documentary series, it was fascinating uh, to me, Raleigh, to watch this team of people around Sam. They're all young. They're all very bright, um, aspiring uh, future filmmakers. And uh, one of the things that really touched me was the empathy that they have for what they're watching, uh, given what the audience will want to watch. Sam said he's dealing with an ADD challenged mm-hmm. audience, and he is. And what's fascinating to me is he, Sam sits and he watches what's going on in the room, and he lets these young people really carry the ball. And I know we have to go to a break, but I want to come back to how you, Sam, have learned to give these young people, including your son and your daughter and many others, the opportunity to learn through doing when you have so much experience, and, and how do you do that as a leader? So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful conversation with Sam Pat, who is uh, not only a documentary filmmaker, he's an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, and when we went to break, Sam, we were talking about the dynamics of uh, our generation working with this young group of fascinating, smart, brilliant uh, folks who really do give you insight into the <laughs> ADD challenge community of viewers that you have stolen ratings from. I mean, if we look at where your programming um, is ranked regionally, you actually beat out shows like The Big Bang Theory. So let's talk a little bit about how you let these young, smart people help you engage in what you do best. Well, thank you. I think, first of all, by surrounding them with with more experienced people. So uh, having um, a young writer work with a more experienced writer, having uh, a young editor be surrounded by an experienced cinematographer, uh, having a young director be surrounded by a, a more experienced producer, but not stifling creativity, not stifling uh, the mistakes that young people are likely to make and are inclined to make, um, but helping them see those mistakes and then correct them so that they get better. Because after all, uh, that's, the, that's the learning process that I think personally I continue to go through myself, which is that I learn from mistakes, I learn from failure, I learn from disappointment. Uh, but secondly, also to clearly envision what we're trying to do, to uh, convey uh, change and criticism in a constructive way as best I can. Uh, it's wonderful to work with young creative people. It's also frustrating. The, these are kids that have not had the same kind of professional upbringing, if you will, that someone with a 30, 40, or 50-year career is going to have had, having gone through uh, an environment of more professional services and uh, competition in investment banking and politics. So that can be a little frustrating and difficult, and I wear that frustration sometimes more visibly 
and perhaps I did the day that you were in there, but uh, the fact is that if you want to get the most out of people, you have to give the, you have to trust them, you have to help shepherd them, and you have to give them room to make their own mistakes, which hopefully they only make once. And uh, our team is 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 very creative, very committed to telling the history of Philadelphia in a way that will grow audiences. Uh, yes, we do art, but our business is not to be artists. It's to be audience acquirers. And I think the nature of content production today, whether it's broadband-based or broadcast-based, uh, is about audience acquisition. And those who let audience acquisition get away as a mission from their vision are going to fail because there's too much stuff out there that people can watch. And the last comment I'll make is that this attention deficit problem is not unique to youth. To youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about every meeting that we all go to. And the first thing that happens is that everybody at the table takes out a mobile device or a smartphone and wants to be someplace else, and generally speaking is. So everybody's doing 50 things at the same time. It's the same way we watch content. Some people sit with a remote control device, and some people swipe a tablet. But if they're not captivated instantly, they're off to the next thing. And and so, Sam, when you do a... uh uh, documentary, you know, what's the time frame or like, you know, how many seconds are you trying to, you know, keep someone's attention before you switch to something to to maintain that attention? Is there kind of a formula? Because I know it's gotten a lot quicker, you know, in the last 10, 10 years or so than it was in the kind of classic films. I think the formula is always good storytelling uh, as opposed to timing. Okay. And good storytelling, which is... Um, which is tempoed around drama. You know, you can't keep dramatic uh, uh, storytelling going for 25 minutes or people will be out of breath. So you need to have breaks. You can build breaks with the changes in the story, the changes in the speed, music, sound, all of which help drive emotion. But you you need to be pacing uh, in the same way of a speech or of a business presentation. Uh, it, It has the same principles of when you build up to the sale if you're making a presentation or you build up to your main point if you're making a speech or you calibrate the time frame of telling the story. And we're all audiences, so we're all watching not only as producers but also as audience. And when we see things that you know, we thought might have worked, it's not working. We have to fix it. And uh, we have a 25-minute show, our, our presentation, our mm-hmm. film's fit into a half-hour time block that the local television station puts on and takes off Wheel of Fortune. So for a lot of the audience that's there, when the Wheel of Fortune comes on, the fact that we're there is already upsetting them. Uh, so uh, the, the first minute is critical. If we don't grab them and hold them in that first minute, then they're off watching The Big Bang Theory or Modern Family. When I think of uh, the leaders that Relly and I have worked with or still working with, you've pointed out some really key behaviors that all of us deal with, you know, walking into a room and trying to keep people's attention, uh, winning the seconds of eye contact alone because people have gadgets that they interact with far more effectively, it seems, with real human <laughs> people sitting right. next to them. What, what are some of the best practices you've 
taught your teams that have worked with you uh, on these documentary films, you've seen really make a big difference. You talked a little bit about giving um, good good criticism and good feedback, and uh, and I've seen you do that, and I've seen you do it well. So how how can you convey those best practices? to some of the people in our audience who would love to know how you do that. I, I would say that the, the most important thing to do, whether you're in an interview, whether you're on television, whether you're making a presentation, a speech, um, is to differentiate yourself from everyone and anyone else that you are um, competing with, whether it's for the job, or the assignment, or the audience. Uh, how how going into that event, that storytelling, that show, have you thought through why somebody should pay attention to what you have to say? If you have failed to do that, the chances are by the end of whatever it is you're doing, no one will be paying attention. Uh, if it sounds like everybody else, if it's the same pitch, if it's the same show. So uh, I think that the experiences that I've had in public finance, in venture capital, in politics and public life, in civic life, and in filmmaking have all taught me about differentiation. And therefore, the same message that any company selling a product is trying to present in connection with its product is, how do we differentiate ourselves from our competitors? To do that, one of the things that has been most valuable to me in life is something I learned in graduate school. Uh, which is counter to the intuitive way people go about problem solving. And that is that if you spend 80% of your time figuring out what the problem is, the 20% of your time left that you spend solving the problem will end up having you solve the correct problem. Whereas most of us are 20-80, where we figure out what the problem is with 20% of our mm. time and then spend the rest of it, the 80% solving it, and oftentimes find that we get to the end and say, whoa, that didn't work. Well, why didn't it work? Because I didn't figure it out. And that requires discipline and uh, a certain fearlessness that at the end of the day, even though you're not doing it the way everyone else has done it, that you're doing it the right way. So that is a completely different uh, approach, uh, Sam. And I wanted to ask you kind of one other thing just about the kind of the creative tension. How do you keep the good ideas, you know, Current, because I think our our tendency is to is to discount ideas and move on to something else. Versus, how do you keep that creative tension? Because I imagine you're sitting around with you know with multi generational folks coming up with ideas. How do you keep that going before the you know the sense of let's race to a decision too soon? Through patience, uh, I think that patience is the key. Patience is something we do not acquire in youth; we acquire too late in life. And when we finally acquire it, which I would say in my case has finally been acquired, uh, if you think the idea that someone is, is proposing is not a great one, but you can be patient about it, the chances are probably good that they'll get to the place that you already are. And if you give them a chance to realize that that was an interesting idea, but it doesn't work, it was the wrong idea for this problem, or it was just not a good idea, uh, without stepping on them in the, in the course of telling them it wasn't a good idea, the chances are good that you're going to keep that collaboration level up, the creative juices will continue to flow, and you won't step on the ego of the person who you're dealing with. And that's, I think, all, all hmm. about patience. Well, I think that's all well said, and I think those are easy things for people to hear. 
I think, as Raleigh and I know, in the world of emotional intelligence, there are very hard behaviors to acquire. But we know that uh, you have been very valuable uh, to our audience today, Sam. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you with us, and we'll look forward to keeping you engaged and learning more about what you're doing in 2015 with all the exciting documentary uh, components you have coming together, uh, new ideas plus ongoing programs. So thank you so much for being with us. And we'll thank you look for forward, having me. Yeah, we'll look forward to future conversations. I hope you'll have me back, and I look forward to it, and Happy New Year to all of you and to your, your audience. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. 
we just were talking um, with our our guest Sam Katz and some of the changes and some of the, his his career moves from being a mayor to being a filmmaker. And so, Kathy wanted to kind of check in with you that we, that Sam had to uh, leave, but I think there's some interesting things that we can kind of follow up on with this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we look at Sam's history, he came from finance and banking uh, to become a political campaigner and ran for mayor multiple, multiple times and did never won. He never won the mayoral candidate. <laughs> um, he then decided what he was really good at was the campaigning piece, and he learned a lot about developing the storyline for the candidates and then got into filmmaking kind of through the back door, recognizing one of his strengths. And I, I really believe that when you look at Sam's story as a game changer, uh-huh. especially somebody who is a mature person who, as you could hear in his discussion, you know, he paces himself well when he speaks. He talks about the people around him with respect. Uh, he includes a lot of what we would call emotionally intelligent conversation, you know, in, in his uh, identification of what's important. I mean, he talked about things like learning from failure and disappointment. Yeah. Talked about, you know, emotionally and physically wounding events that were pivotal in his career that helped him, quote-unquote, be better at what he is now and that he had no filmmaking or history back home. He learned it in route to becoming now an Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker that, you know, obviously takes ratings <laughs> away from a lot of other TV shows that he's competing with, including Big Bang Theory, which, as we know, is a huge success. So, you know, as you, as you say these things, really, I think about your expertise um, and how you teach leaders to acquire these skills and, you know, my expertise in helping understand uh, you know, how do you use this emotional, social, intelligent stuff, right, to make themselves and those around them better. There's a lot here. I mean, I'm curious on your feedback from yeah. having met them for the first time. Well, I think what was, you know, a couple of things that was pretty interesting uh, and we didn't get a chance to, to ask him, is just about kind of the emotional uh, failure, you know, running for mayor for three times. And think about for us and think about for leaders and to hear what he gained from that, which I think was, you know, one of the, one of the insights that I took is learning from your, your failures. And from an emotional intelligence standpoint, you know, he's kind of gone through um, probably feeling bad about it and hurt about it, but turning it into a learning. I think, Kathy, and you and I know what many of us do, we turn some of these failures into a beating versus a learning. And when I'm working with executives to say, you know, how do you quickly change that, you know, from beating yourself up and what's wrong with me and, and affecting your confidence, you know, he may have gone through that, but it didn't sound like uh, it maybe lasted long, you know, to propel to a brand-new field you know, from the beating, let's say, to the learning about now what does he need to do to be a documentary, uh, you know, filmmaker. So I think yeah, for all the listeners... That you know, you've said well in the past is are you on your case or on your side? Yeah. Right? And, and uh, I think as we start the new year, 
you know, part of this, it would be a great thing for our, our listeners and for all of us. How do we start the new year being more on your side? And, and you know, if there's failures, if things didn't work out well uh, last year through the holidays, you know, how do you start out, you know, being on your side and, and then also on the side of the people that you lead? You know, I think, Kathy, that was interesting about the multi-generational folks uh, that he leads and allowing that, what I took, that, that creative tension to stay in the room versus, I think, what, from a psychological standpoint, we want to get a resolution, maybe the wrong resolution, but how do you let that creative tension linger? And the other thing that he mentioned, uh, and I kind of love your insight on this, he said if we could be better at problem identification, right, the problem solving would be much more quickly applied and probably more consistently applied. But what a lot of people do is they spend too much time on the problem solving and not enough time yeah. on the problem identification. What, yeah. Did you get that as well as a takeaway? Yeah, exactly. And I think it ties into what we're saying about he probably looked at some of the failures in the identification piece, you know, longer and maybe it's staying with some of the some of that pain. You know, one of the one of the things I've have been uh, looking at Kathy over the holidays is just some of the research that ties into what you do and I do around emotional intelligence and fearless leaders and positive psychology and happiness is this whole idea of willpower. And uh, there's a book by Roy Baumeister called Willpower. But they talk about what's the value of self-awareness. You know, if we look at kind of evolutionary, why, why should we be self-aware? Because most of us, if we're self-aware, we think we're less than and we get on our case. So what's the value of being self-aware? Because we're always saying, oh, I should have done that better. Oh, this guy could have done that more. Oh, this didn't work out. And what they found out, tied into what you're asking about, is the value of self-awareness, and we know that's big in leadership and big in emotional intelligence, the value of self-awareness is self-management. And that's the function as we are in our evolution that you know, psychologists and researchers said, that's why we're self-aware, so that we can self-regulate. You know, we think about the, the new year and everybody's trying to kind of self-regulate and uh, on whatever the issues are for them. You know, the thing that strikes me in that um, interpretation is so many of us are emotionally and physically wounded. Yeah. And I think many of us don't realize that when you're emotionally wounded, it is much more devastating than being physically wounded. I mean, unless you are literally becoming a quadriplegic, you know, that's blonde, I, I, and that sounds terrible, but you're losing a lot physically in that, you know, horrible right. scenario. But I think many of us become physically wounded and blind from emotional, uh, if you will, kind of side swipes. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it really, for the, for the most part, takes us by surprise when we have such a strong reaction to that emotional wound. And we think consciously, once we become mindful and self-aware, well, shouldn't I be able to help myself recover and rebound 
from this more quickly. But, you know, we may recognize what it is, really, but it doesn't necessarily mean we know how to repair it ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, that, that is so true, you know, that the emotional wounds, and I think from a leadership standpoint and from a, whether we're parents, uh, spouses, it, it uses up the mental energy that we have, and we're not aware of that, but that's where this idea of kind of the, you know, the willpower comes in. It's all mental energy. We only have so much. So these emotional woundings, you know, that you're, you're talking about, often we're not aware of it, and, but it's kind of using up our, our cognitive fuel, you know, which is um, <clears throat> we only have so much, you know, around decision-making. So this is where, you know, we're coming out of the holidays and what kind of experiences have people had, uh, you know, are they starting off? Fresh, or there's still some of those emotional wounds, you know, that have that have occurred. You know, one of the things, Kathy, that that I wrote about in one of my previous books is um, feelings are not biodegradable. Oh, oh, that's powerful. Say that again. Feelings are not biodegradable, and yeah, it goes back to what we're talking that. about: awareness and wounding. Right? We kind of think if I just don't touch it. And I stuff it. So maybe that's the other way of saying it. If I just stuff it, it'll kind of biodegrade. It'll dissipate. It'll kind of disappear. No, it won't. <laughs> exactly. Right? No, it won't. And, you know, that, I like that, though. Look at that. It's biodegradable. You know, I think one of the things that is very powerful um, in, in today's program is to have somebody who's so honest and so raw, yeah. who is now so successful, and, and they thank not only people in different um, categories, right? You've got a finance person, you've got a former mayor, you've got his family. And, and what, one of the things that I think people take for granted in this biodegradable emotional world we, <laughs> we think we live in right. is, is criticism and feedback. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, and since you know my daughter Elizabeth, you'll chuckle. Okay. For the audience, a uh, little background on my lovely daughter, she has an organic and vegan healthcare spa, and she is um, very, very well known to many people in our small circle uh, as a, a, a lovely young woman. And she's, you know, she's not very outgoing, but she's not very introverted. Well, she works as a makeup artist at the studio. She's very good at what she does because many of these people have to look absolutely natural in a documentary. And when you do the documentary over multiple days, you have to get that makeup absolutely the way it was the last time they filmed. Oh, yeah. For those who, of you who don't know, the movie-making business, that is the art of being a makeup artist on a movie set. So anyway, Lizzie likes to change her hair color a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. More than her mother. Oh, really? Okay, well, that's that's saying a lot, Kathy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. For for the audience, if you just kind of Google different pictures of me on the Internet, you'll see me with all kinds of hair color pictures. But anyway, the bottom line is, and we'll come back to this conversation after the break, Elizabeth had blonde hair when she started, and for the holidays, she went black, and she put a blue streak in it. And when we come back from our quick break, I'm going to tell you what Sam Katz said to Elizabeth and how he gives beautiful criticism to beautiful people in a way that makes it possible for people to hear it. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. 
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, so Kathy, you left me and our audience hanging. So here's your daughter. She's got dark hair. She's got a blue streak in it. She's in the room with Sam Katz and... Well, you know, Sam tries to be as kind as he can, but wants to give her some feedback. And her hair is pitch black with a blue streak in it. And he just goes by her very charismatically and sweetly and very matter-of-factly says, nice hair. (laughs) It's his way of saying, I see you've done something to your hair. 
he's not necessarily trying to be a critic, but he's also not necessarily trying to make her feel like she's done something <laughs> that right. is just so totally left to center because she's surrounded by artists. Right. And, you know, they're allowed to do something that you and I wouldn't do in the corporate world, especially many of our listeners would not do in the corporate world. But I'd love your comments yeah. on how a leader, I mean, here's a man, and I don't want to give away Sam's age. He's obviously a very mature person. Right, right. And here's a, here's a woman, you know, in her you know, late 20s, early 30s, and that could have gone very badly. It could have, But yeah. it didn't. You know, so, she smiled and he smiled. So, that is, so, yeah, so before I respond, what was the reaction from uh, Lizzie? You know, how did she respond? Oh, she said, thanks for noticing, Sam. Okay. <laughs> you know. Well, I think so, it, uh, was, it was good. And so that's great, that observation. And Sam kind of alluded to it, to our attention and things that we've talked a lot about, attention and focus. And right. leaders today have so much attention and focus on the problem of the day, um, the crisis, that they miss acknowledging others. And I think just like you're pointing out with Sam and, and uh, Lizzie, that uh, just that acknowledgement that she took really well. And I think for our listeners, we've talked about this, you know, are you acknowledging who your people are? Do you notice that they changed your hair? Do you notice, um, that, you know, now they've come back from uh, some time off, you know, anything that's different? Do you pay attention to what's going on for them, you know, we go back to some of the things that, that allows engagement, and this comes from the Gallup uh, poll and, the, you know, the Gallup management group, is my opinion seems to count. And Sam alluded to that, you know, by allowing those opinions to ask for it and stay there. As a leader today, are you asking your people what their opinion is? The shortcut is we tell them our opinion. Here's what I want. Here's what I'm thinking. And that's the opposite of getting engagement. Oh, and, and that's so important. I think Sam also brought that up. You know, he said, look, in our world today, we have one minute to get people's attention. And I think something he said was very funny. He said, you know, most people are looking at that time slot on that day. Uh, this happens to be on ABC uh, TV for their favorite show, which might be the Wheel of Fortune. And now... First of all, the Wheel of Fortune's been replaced by this half-an-hour documentary, so people are aggravated to begin with. Where's my show? Right. <laughs> and then he's got to actually grab their attention and make them like yes. that programming. To interpret that for us, yeah. uh, as you and I know, we need to do this. In our, in our new life, in our new world, in our new 2015 way of being, how do we capture that audience, that yeah. individual, that lo that love, that mindset in that first one minute? Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, what you highlighted with Sam. It's all about the other person. And if you want to capture that, I mean, let's say you're in person, it's all about paying attention to them and asking them questions and getting them involved. If it's a presentation or a documentary, you know, like Sam's doing, how do you somehow hook them in emotionally for some kind of question, some kind of need, uh, issue, you know, that they have? So I think it's really, is, it's all about them. And, and the easy thing and the shortcut that we've been trained, it's all about us. And I think that's the opposite of what we're trying to do as we move into the new year, you know, 
can you really engage your people asking them genuine questions either about themselves, about what their goals are for this year, uh, what do they want to see happen, is there anything about you as a leader that can enhance that for them, but it really is that, in many other terms, Kathy, would be kind of that servant leader. That's what I think pulled people in, is are you there for them? And the powerful message right there, Molly, is people are always interested if they're really great leaders in asking the powerful question that allows someone else to show up the way they really want to be. And that's so hard for us. It's so hard for us sometimes to put our own ego aside yeah. and give somebody else an opportunity to shine. Well, one of the things in one of the tools you know, that we talk about in, in coaching is um, you can have your idea, and often you may put your idea out in 10 seconds. What if you were to ask a couple um, really powerful questions for another minute or two? before you go to your idea. And so one of the tools, you know, um, that we like to talk about in a coaching tool is that you have a bucket full of your ideas, they have a bucket full of their ideas, and there's two buckets. Can you ask and drain their ideas first? And so that's kind of the visual, Kathy, you know, for our audience, ask and drain. Well, so what do you think about that? What, what obstacles are you seeing? You know, where do you, where do you see this? Our goals for this next month or two? Can you ask and drain their bucket first? Your bucket full of ideas is always there; it's not going anywhere. But you want to drain, ask and drain first before then. What you do is what I would say: tell and fill. Okay, now let me. Now your bucket's empty. Let me tell what I what I think, and how do I fill up your bucket with my ideas? But that's already second, third, fourth, or if not last. You want to ask and drain that first, those powerful questions to your people. And that is really a compelling way to engage everyone because you know when people are listening to the things that are very important to them inside their own, if you will, their own head and their own heart, and you give them an opportunity to share that, wow, you know, that's, that's such a gift. And, and it's, it's really an opportune time at this time of the year when you go back to work, hopefully today, tomorrow, that you take the opportunity to really engage others and let them know you do care about their ideas. And those are powerful moments. That was very good uh, advice, Billy. I hope everybody's listening because we have a whole show coming up next week uh, dedicated to the tips and tools for the new year. And hopefully our listeners will be joining us and get a lot of great free advice. And um, I think everything is at your EI Central. Is that right? Yeah. So EI Central, uh, if you go to True North Leadership uh, forward slash EI Central. Um, and we also have a, a number, you know, a text number that they can call um, and get more information that, and we'll give you more of that information, you know, for the next show. And Kathy, your site is? Yep, drkathygreenberg.com, and um, I think it's going to be an exciting opportunity for people to get a lot of great downloads, so um, I, just I guess found, it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, I just found the number. for the next show, huh? 
Yeah, I just found the number. So if people go to 38470, you text 38470, and you, you put in the subject EI Central, it'll give you some of these tools. So thanks, Kath, and we're looking forward to you know, giving some people some tools for next week. Yep, absolutely, and we look forward to uh, hoping uh, everybody has a wonderful new year. So join us for our next show. Learn lots of free tips. I will tell you the 10 ways to change your life, your career, and your relationships just by being more emotionally, socially, intelligent, fearless, and happy. Take good care, and a happy, healthy new year. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.